The fear of man. Exodus 3 and 4. The fear of man is a massive hurdle for many to overcome. Wanting to please man and not offend or upset man is one of the greatest obstacles we will face as followers of Jesus. Failure to overcome this fear will ultimately rob you and me of receiving our reward in Christ because this fear will have prevented us from achieving God's will and purpose for us. When the time and the times come to choose to do His will and what He asks of us, we will find ourselves falling short because of this fear of man which cripples and paralyzes us. Matthew 7.21 says, It is those who do the will of the Father who enter into the kingdom of heaven. Paul said in Galatians 1.10, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I was still striving to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Revelation 22, 3-4, There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Look at the blessing for the bondservant. Do we want to be the bondservants who overcome all fear? Will we be bondservants for Christ? Followers who put him first and do his will no matter what the cost? no matter what the persecution, no matter what the offense, we will be bondservants and receive this promise, this reward, because we overcame the fear of man, the wanting to please man. Moses finds himself confronted with this very obstacle in Exodus 3 and 4. He is chosen by God for a very specific task. God speaks to him about fulfilling a specific assignment, and he would continue to speak to him about other things he would ask him to become and do. God will speak to us about certain assignments he wants us to be and do. Inside each assignment, there will be certain things he will ask us to become or say, confront, challenge, demonstrate, and live out. The challenge for us is whether we will be obedient to what he asks of us or whether the fear of man will ultimately paralyze us and cripple us and keep us outside of his life and purpose. Failure to overcome the fear of man will ultimately keep you outside of all that God has for you. This is why there is an overcomer's inheritance or promises for the church. To receive and partake of these promises in the future kingdom, you, we, must have overcome the trials, challenges, tribulations that Jesus said we would all face. John 16.33, 1 Thessalonians 1.6. We would face these challenges in the world we live. The assignments God gives us can be on a large scale or a small scale. The size of the assignment is irrelevant. It is our obedience to the assignment, which is the key to experience more of him and his reality and spiritual dimension for us. Let us look at the assignment God has given to Moses in Exodus 3 and 4. And we see what we can learn from these chapters in overcoming the fear of man. The assignment that God is giving Moses in this particular case is twofold. It is to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let God's people go. 
and it is also to go to the Israelites and speak about what God is going to do. Exodus 3 verse 10 to 13, the mission of Moses. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people to the sons of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. I want us to look at some factors in overcoming the fear of man. The first thing I want us to notice, which is essential to overcoming the fear of man in relation to any assignment God asks us to be and do, is that he goes with us. We see this in Exodus 3.12. God goes with us as well as being in us. If God is for us, then who can be against us? We have the creator of the universe in us and going with us who promises he will never leave us. When this becomes our true and living conviction, it is a game changer. 1 John 4.18 says perfect love casts out fear. The more we have a conviction of God, love in us, we will be more powerful in our obedience. The second thing to notice is that God sent Moses. Moses wasn't going because he thought it was a good idea or because of a good intention or doing a good work. Moses only went because he was being sent by God. We are not to respond because we see a need. It doesn't matter how despair the need may be, we go on the sending of God. We cannot and are not to presume or assume. Jesus did nothing on his own initiative, John 5 verse 30. The need in the situation is massive. God's people are being abused and treated like animals, and yet Moses needed to be sent in God's time. When we go on our seeing, rather than being sent, we run the risk, and it is a high risk, of God not coming with us. There is nothing we can do of our own accord if he is not in it with us. John 15, 4-5 When we know we are sent, then we can go in confidence in him. And no matter what obstacles, challenges, trials, tests, tribulations, opposition we may face, and continue to face, 
the knowing we have been sent by God to accomplish his assignment or assignments is the empowerment we need to overcome and rise above all the challenges, the fear of man. We, the church, have been given a general sending by Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 to go and make disciples, teaching them to obey the commandments of God, which is to love God and love others. This is the general sending and assignment God has given his people, but this doesn't mean we just respond to all the needs we now see. We must also be sent again and again through the leading and guiding of the person of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, if we are to live accurately and in tune with God. We cannot apply a blanket approach or a she'll be right approach. We must apply a faith approach built on an intimacy with him. Failure to do this and live with a blanket approach may have you being on the receiving end of Matthew 7.21, where many people did all these works in his name, but Jesus said, I never knew you. This passage is a classic example of doing things in his name, seeing the need and responding from our will, rather than doing it from his will. We can operate in his name, but not in his will. The need we see must align itself with knowing we have been sent by God to meet that need. This is how important it is to be able to hear his voice through intimacy. Otherwise, we are doing things we shouldn't, or we are not doing things we should. So often, I have only looked at these passages through the lens that Moses was sent to speak to Pharaoh, and this is what was going to make his task so hard. But we see that Moses was being sent to his own people, and speaking to them was just as daunting, if not more so, than going to speak to Pharaoh himself. Exodus 3, 10-17, and Exodus 4, 1-31, is mostly about Moses' fear and apprehension about going to his own people, rather than Pharaoh. Moses is firstly sent to his own people to deliver a message from God himself. But will the fear of his own people get in the way of Moses delivering this message? Moses is a nobody in the eyes of his people. He is a murderer and a shepherd. He doesn't have a great track record. No one special at all with no reputation amongst his own. And yet God chooses him to deliver this message to his people. The third thing to overcoming the fear of man is believing in what God says and not what the voice of self or the voice of reason says. God tells Moses that the elders will pay heed to what he says and that they will go to the king of Egypt with him, Exodus 3, verse 18. But then in Exodus 4, 1, we see Moses say these words, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. God is declaring one reality, but Moses is declaring another reality, his how many times do we do the same thing? How many times do we only see through the lens of logic and reason, which ultimately is a fear and unbelief lens? I wonder if this is why we don't see God move in our lives to the degree he wants to and desires to. Faith is the lens we are to look and speak through, no matter what the natural is saying or looking like. 
We see again Moses speaking the language of fear in verse 10. Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of tongue and speech. This is just after God had performed two signs of the miraculous and promised a third in front of Moses' eyes. And yet he is still trusting and believing in his own ability and his lack rather than God's abundance and power. He doesn't seem to be able to get the focus off himself and onto God's ability and the reality that the Father wants to bring him. Why is this the case? Because the fear of man and his inability has him living in a position of paralyzation. In verse 11, God speaks to Moses again, reminding Moses of his abilities and power by saying, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Verse 12 says, Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. What a phenomenal promise by God to Moses. Does it get any better than this? The creator of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, is declaring to Moses how he will use him. What an honor and a privilege. But look how Moses responds in verse 13 from fear. Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Did Moses not hear right? God has just promised Moses that he will be with him, which is the first point we discussed and that he will give him the very words to say. It doesn't get any better than this. And yet Moses' response is one of fear and unbelief. Now send the message by whoever you will, verse 13. The will of God was to send Moses. This was God's will and his first place order. And yet Moses is disobedient to this order because of fear. Why is Moses saying, by whomever you will, when it is clear what and who God wants to send. We see in verse 14, Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. Aaron wasn't God's first place plan. Moses was, and his anger burned against Moses. Aaron was plan B. And God goes to plan B when we don't trust him and when we let fear and unbelief get in the way and take control. This is God's plan, God's story, and not ours. And God will accomplish his will even if and when we don't follow his perfect script. Just because God got Aaron to help doesn't mean that this is now the A plan. God, by his mercy, works with us in our state of fear and unbelief because his will will be done and because of his incredible love for us and his longing and desire to see us as his children glorify his name and fulfill who we are called to be and become. God works with what we give him because he always wanting to lead us back unto his plan, his way, plan A. God has a perfect plan or a perfect way, and our role is to find it and live from it. Failure to find this position will have us operating in his name, but not in his will. 
and God will allow this to happen. Three examples of this we find in 1 Samuel 8, Matthew 7, 21, and Numbers 22. 1 Samuel 8, the people wanted a king, but God didn't want them to have a king, but then gives the people their own choice. Matthew 7, 21, the people prophesied, cast out demons, and did miracles, but Jesus said, I don't know you. Numbers 22, Balaam goes with the men to Balak, even when God says no, but then God allows his choice. There are massive consequences for continuing in our ways and not his because we live in fear and the unknown. There were massive consequences in each of these passages and there will be consequences for us if we also operate in this way of fear. The fear of man can have you operating outside of God's plan A and yet God is still working with you in the hope that we will get back to doing it his perfect way. We don't lose our justified position in Christ, but we put our eternal reward and inheritance at stake. We run the massive risk of never receiving all that the Father has for us. And this has to be the greatest heartache of missing and the misery one can experience and realize. This is why there will be for some weeping and gnashing of teeth in the kingdom of heaven. Here are a list of some of the fears of man that we may face. The fear of offense. The fear of not being loved or liked. The fear of not being accepted. The fear of being persecuted. The fear of being judged. The fear of people leaving you. The fear of what others think. The fear of not being understood. The fear of financial loss or position. The fear of not being approved. The fear of death the fear of the unknown, the fear of loss, the fear of missing out, the fear of losing the control of one's life. Our identity must be in Christ and Christ alone. He must be our true foundation if we are to truly live out the lives as his followers. If our identity is in anything or anyone else, we will not be able to accomplish all that he will have us be, become and do because fear paralyzes us. Fear grips so many people today, and fear determines and dictates the decisions and the actions we live out. Fear will ultimately have you living in a form of bondage, and you may not even realize it. Sometimes we disguise being wise for fear. We think we are making wise choices in not doing certain things, but ultimately we can be in fear of what might happen and never experience a greater freedom in Christ. If we are to be set free from fear and overcome it, we must trust in God. We must exercise trust in Him while our faith is growing in what He says. Perfect love, God, casts out all fear. Where there is a vacuum of faith, we find fear. But God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, discipline, a sound mind. We need to exercise trust in God and put into place what he tells us to do. We have looked at the fear of man, but there is also an unhealthy fear of God. There is a healthy fear of God, a reverence for God, and then there is a very unhealthy fear of God. I want us to look at the unhealthy fear of God because this unhealthy fear 
will paralyze us and cripple and limit us from ever experiencing him and his ways, the life he has for us. We will shun and shy away from God because of our wrong perspective that keeps us bound in fear of who God is. The key driver behind this unhealthy fear of God ultimately is our lack of a true knowledge of who God is. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear as we have said. Who is perfect love? God. So God, perfect love, casts out all fear. Remember back to Moses when God promised him that he would be with him? Where did this unhealthy fear of God come from? The fall of man. Before the fall, Adam and Eve walked in perfect harmony with God. But we see in Genesis 3.9 after the fall, man now being afraid of God. This is the same God they were walking with before. Man has been radically affected and infected by the fall sin. The partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has had catastrophic effects on man. Not only was man afraid of God, but man is afraid of man. Not only did these eternal separation come into being, but a fear of God became present because of the fall. Man now has an unhealthy fear of the one and only God who can redeem him of this eternally damned state. This is not good. To have an unhealthy fear of the only person who can right the wrong is devastating. What is the solution to this devastating problem? The true knowledge of God, true revelation of his love within us. Why do we have a fear of a greater reality of truth, which is for us? Because we lack a knowledge of God, love, that trumps the fear of the unknown. We don't see God for who he actually is. We look or see through a dysfunctional lens, a dysfunctional spiritual lens. Mark 8 verse 17 and 21. Even though Adam has fallen and he is a sinner, God still comes to Adam to demonstrate that sin doesn't get in the way of God's love and ultimately Adam has nothing to fear. We see God ask him a question. God doesn't slam Adam with judgment, but he asks him a question. Who told you that you were naked? Love will always be patient, persevere, endure, believe, be kind, persist, and continue to come until we are broken by his love and restored by his love and set free from fear. God is for us. He's not against us. God longs to engage with us and to lead us into his reality, his life that he has for us to experience. He doesn't want us in the fear of him or the fear of man, but faith in him. It was Paul that said in Galatians 2.20, the life I live, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. This type of faith is the faith of persuasion. God wants and desires to restore our sight to its original status. God wants our spiritual lens to be accurate and for us to see him as he truly is. When this happens, fear of God and fear of man dissipates and is evaporated. Perfect love casts out all fear.